Coming up this week, we've got part two of our interview with author and publisher J.M. Snyder. We talk about Grease Live, and Jeff's got new books out this week. Welcome to the Big Gay Fiction Podcast, the show for readers and writers of gay romance fiction. If you can read it, write it, watch it, or listen to it, these two guys are going to talk about it. Now, here are your hosts, Jeff Adams and Will Knauss. Welcome to episode 18 of Jeff and Will's Big Gay Fiction Podcast. I'm Jeff from jeffadamswrites.com. And I'm Will from willknauss.com. Happy Valentine's Week. Happy Valentine's Week to you too as well. My favorite Valentine right here sitting next to me. <laughs> Who I like to make crack up on the air, as he told me before we started recording today. Yeah. Um, so for Valentine's Week, I've got a couple books coming out. Books! Yes. Books release. Uh, Make the Right Choice uh, comes out, well, came out on Sunday from JMS Books. Mm -hmm. It is uh, kind of a side story to the Hat Trick universe. Uh, Leo and Matt met in the first Hat Trick book, and this Mm -hmm. jumps forward to their 10-year anniversary as they're trying to figure out kind of what adult life means and to get married or not get married. Um, At the end of the show, I'll talk about how podcast listeners can actually win a free copy, so stay tuned to the end to find out about that. Also, on Tuesday, uh, Sound Beginning comes out from Pride Publishing, my first uh, story to come out from Pride, and I'm excited about that. That is about uh, voiceover artist Harry kind of getting the hots for his contractor Diego as Diego builds a, uh, a sound recording booth in his house. So that'll be out on Tuesday, and I'll have links to all that good stuff in the show notes this week. Yes, and I have read them both, and I enjoyed them both thoroughly. Excellent. They get so thumbs up. They get a thumbs up from the co-host of this, uh, gosh. Podcast? Podcast, yeah. I was going to try and come up with a fancy phrase. Yeah. I, I don't know why I bother, because it's <laughs> like, uh, anyway. And my husband, so your, your ratings mean more than just as a co-host of the podcast. So, and yes, in my non-fancy way, I uh, endorse them thoroughly. They're very good. So you returned a book this week, I heard. Why, yes. Yes, I did, now that you mention it. <laughs> For the very first time, I returned an e-book um, to Amazon. Uh... So, yeah, here's, I think, the only reason I'm, I'm bringing this up because it's kind of a big deal in the writing community um, that Amazon allows digital returns for uh, at least seven days after purchase. Mm-hmm. I believe we actually talk a little bit about it with JM in the... Actually, we do. In the second part oh of the interview. Oh my God, I am so timely. You are timely. <laughs> I didn't even think about that, but it's true. Yeah. Okay, so I returned... Uh, an ebook for the very first time this week, and here is why. Um, I, I've mentioned in the past I enjoy reading uh, nonfiction books, especially books on writing and writing craft, and so I picked up a, a fairly new release. Um, I'm not going to n- uh, mention the name of the book or the author because I don't think they deserve it. Um, this particular book I bought was actually a riff on a good book. Um, called uh, Take Off Your Pants by Libby Hawker. Uh, the the title of that book is sort of a play on the plotter versus uh, pantser idea in the writing community. And her book focuses on using uh, story structure to write um, faster 
uh, write cleaner, more enjoyable first drafts. It's a really terrific book, and I highly recommend that one, Take Off Your Pants. So this one book, this new book that I picked up, uh, was a riff on that, and it um, purported to be a book about uh, not outlining and taking the approach of, uh, instead of following a plot outline, following the character's uh, emotional uh, story arc, which I thought was an uh, interesting take on an old chestnut. So I picked it up and I um, read it. And for the most part, I thought it was okay. I thought most of the advice was, you know, pretty standard. It was stuff I'd heard before. And the way the author sort of illustrated certain points was kind of a little vague and kind of esoteric. So I thought, you know, overall the book was, you know, okay, nothing particularly revolutionary. Um, the one thing that kept me reading was the mention of um, worksheets um, where you could, you know, uh, particularly use some of the ideas in the book to uh, plot out the emotional uh, and romantic story arc uh, in your own story. And I thought, uh, that well, that sounds cool. I, yeah. I definitely want that. So I got to the end of the book, and these worksheets actually aren't included. You had to sign up for the author's email list, and this author would then send you these worksheets as a bonus. And I was like, mm. that didn't sit well with me. Number one, I don't want to be on your crappy email list. And number two, you're, the whole purpose of the book sort of hinged on the idea of, you know, these story points and being able to use these worksheets yourself. So... Having to, you know, jump through extra hoops to get on this author's mailing list didn't sit well particularly with me. And then, after that, um, at the end of the book, there is an upsell where this author is going to sell you a $5 PDF of uh, one of their own published manuscripts uh, that they uh, plugged into uh, said worksheets. So that frankly pissed me off. I mean, I don't feel the book, you know, gave me what it promised. And then there was kind of a slightly cheesy upsell at the end. So I felt fully justified in returning that book and getting my money back. So that was my long-winded story of why I read an entire book and then returned it. Interesting. There you go. And I think that was a little justified, especially for in, in the nonfiction realm. I don't. It, yes. Yeah. Most definitely. From from looking for spreadsheets or. I've uh, I've never there. Yeah. I've never returned a fiction book, even a supremely crappy fiction book. I've <laughs> maybe I should have sometimes looking back, but I've never returned a, a fiction book. And I will say that he is notorious for not finishing books that he does not like. I am that's true. I am very much. I will <laughs> stick this out to see if it gets better. And he's very much like life is too short. <laughs> I'm moving on. Indeed. So um, on a happier note, something we both loved, Greece. Yes, Greece Live was awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, I thought the Wiz really had raised the bar 
for televised live musicals earlier this year. Mm-hmm. And I think Grease really jumped it up another couple of notches. Yes, I think they did too. Um, I was very skeptical on how the live audience would work. And I thought their integration of the audience was great. Um, and they really pulled off some great stagecraft mm-hmm. there. Obviously, William Ivy Long knows how to costume to make quick changes happen like we saw from the bedroom to the USO club mm-hmm. and for Grease Lightning. Um, but the the changing out of the car for Grease Lightning and the, the short time they had to do it was really impressive. And the drag race at Thunder Road was so well done with just camera work and lighting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I loved it. I loved everything to do with it. And I look forward to see what Fox does next. Uh, I don't think they've announced anything new, but I have to believe with the ratings they're going to want to do something. And I believe NBC's got Hairspray on tap next. Mm-hmm. And so I look forward to see how they take what they did with The Wiz and what they saw Fox do and make that musical. Now, have you ever seen the actual stage show? You know, I have not. I've only seen the movie, and I, I know just from reading that the stage show is different from the film, and that this production for Fox kind of combined at least music. Yes, exactly. I've never actually seen the you know, actual production itself either, uh, for some reason. I don't know why. I don't know how I've missed it all these years. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so, yeah, I thought they, they um, in this particular television production, they uh, managed to pull off a really, really nice uh, sort of marriage between the stage show and the beloved movie. Um and they paid homage to both in a, a really s- terrific way. Mm-hmm. I thought um, the cast was uh, spectacular all around. Um, uh, just, you know, oodles, oodles and oodles <laughs> of talent. Um, it was really, really good. Yeah. I love that they uh, went multiracial mm-hmm. with it, even though it's set in 1959, where that certainly would not have been the case. And uh, I loved, I wasn't sure how they were going to integrate the song Grease. Because uh, it doesn't sit in the show really anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved how they used that moment to show how epic their production was as they walk through the sound stages and by the, all the cast and by every all the stuff that was about to make this event you were going to see. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a perfect way to do the opening credits, as you were as you will. Yes. Yeah, it's really good. So good job, Fox. Um, so I was in LA this week. So you were. On your own, a lot. Um, and you were talking about this movie that you oh, watched. Yeah, um, I wanted to bring up the fact that um, I saw this movie while Jeff was away. I watched this uh, film called In Secret. Um, came out in 2013. It is a theatrical adaptation of uh, the Emile Zola classic Therese Rakim. Um, and Basically, it starred... Let's see. Um, I have to look at my notes because I'm terrible with names. Uh, it starred uh, Elizabeth Olsen as the title character. Um, most of you might uh, have seen her as Scarlet Witch in the last Avengers movie. Oh. And she uh, is forced to marry her sickly cousin, Tom Felton, who most of you will remember from the Harry Potter movies. Yeah. Uh, and she moves to Paris with her... Her cousin slash husband and her aunt slash mother in law Jessica Lang, uh, they moved to Paris and they live there. And her life is pretty dire and grim. 
<laughs> and so she starts having an affair with her husband's um, hunky co-worker, Oscar Isaac, who uh, you may know uh, as the creepy scientist guy from Ex Machina, or as Poe po from Star Wars. Um, I thought this was a really amazing adaptation. Um, it is, uh, for those of you who have may have read the book or have seen other um, movies based on this particular novel, um, it doesn't have a happy ending. <laughs> um, it's a romantic tragedy. But I thought it was just, uh, gosh, it was... Just really superbly acted, I think. Um, I personally rented it. I hadn't heard of this particular um, adaptation before. Uh, I saw it on my uh, recommendations on Netflix, and uh, I saw that it had Oscar Isaac in it. And I, you know, frankly, I have a crush on him, so I put it in our our, our list, and it came, and I watched it, and it's really excellent. Um, Jessica Lange especially is really good, of course. She, you know, always is. She always is. Because she's uh, this overbearing mother-in-law, uh, kind of a dragon character. Uh, but then throughout the um, throughout the story, uh, various tragedies happen. And uh, she becomes a, a very broken and tragic character. And... Uh, um, she's really remarkable. So I, uh, if you don't mind a, a little tragedy in your romances, um, I highly recommend it. It's really good. It's called In Secret. It's from uh, 2013. Cool. I read a couple of... I was in romance mode while I was away. Mm -hmm. um, finished, I finished reading the beta version of Wade Kelly's third book in the, her uh, jock series, mm -hmm. which I don't actually know when it comes out because obviously she's still working on it because she's betaing it with people, but I loved it. Um, it was so good, and I'm not, I won't really talk about it beyond that except to say when it comes out, we'll be talking about it here because it's a great book. Yeah. Um, I also had a swoon moment this week because I got to read an arc from one of my favorite authors. I can't tell you what it is right now. <laughs> I got to read it because we're recording an interview on Tuesday for an episode that'll air in March. Yeah. I'll swoon about it then, too, uh, but just know that it's coming up. Well, that's... Vague. Vague news. <laughs> thanks, thanks for that. Um, I'm just projecting ahead to what will be episode 22. <laughs> okay. Okay. We'll keep our... Uh... We'll keep an eye out for that one. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Since we are in Valentine's week, I wanted to mention the current issue of Out Magazine. Now, a couple of weeks ago, the pictures of uh, Tom Daly and Dustin Lance Black kind of hit the interwebs and everyone went gaga because they're absolutely adorable. So adorable. Uh, so that issue has finally hit the stands. Uh, it's their February love issue. From Out Magazine. Um, it's a really great issue. Uh, they have stories on um, several different uh, successful couples, uh, including Tom and Dustin, who share their amusing story of uh, trying to get engaged. Um, it was sort of a comedy of errors that would make a really funny uh, romantic comedy sometime. Uh, so uh, if you want to uh, pick that issue up, with lots of uh, pictures of Cutie Pie, Tom, and Dustin. Uh, it should be on stands right now. Yeah. And we'll see what we can link to that from uh, out.com, too. Mm -hmm. There's yeah. some stuff there as well. 
So moving on to last week's question of the week. Uh, we asked, what is your preferred size slash length for the books you read? Uh, Adam said that he prefers short stories and novellas partially due to his schedule and attention span and reading speed, and partially because it's just a preference over longer works. Cat. Mm-hmm had a strong opinion. She said, Indeed. <laughs> I detest short stories, and by short, I'm talking less than 150 pages. I always feel that the storyline is rushed and the characters can't develop to their full potential. Naturally, that means that I really enjoyed longer novels, 300 to 400 pages and higher. I'm always willing to pay a premium for those because they do take longer to put together. When you posted this particular question, um, on Facebook and to different um, groups, the uh, conversation took a, a sharp turn towards um, not only length of stories, but price also got involved in the conversation. Mm-hmm. I don't think we were, we were we were I don't think we perceived the idea that price would factor into this question quite like it did. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, a lot of people voiced their opinions not only on length but on. on what they thought was a, a fair price. Um, and what I feel, um, it could be a, a whole you know, other discussion for another show. What, what the, the, the talk about price is really about perceived value. Um, most people voice the opinion that um, they don't necessarily uh, value shorter works because they're shorter and they are willing to pay more for something longer because it's longer and therefore has more value um which is of course from an artistic standpoint you know not necessarily the case someone could spend you know um, months or years crafting a really spectacular short story that's only 50 pages while, you know, another author could spend, you know, two weeks writing a 400-page romance. Mm-hmm. That, so, I, yeah. So, I, I personally don't believe that, you know, time spent on the art equals quality or lack of quality. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not, uh, I don't personally believe they're connected in any way. Um, what we're talking about is the perception of value and what you're willing to pay as a consumer. Mm-hmm. So, I, uh, yeah. yeah. We'll definitely circle back to price mm-hmm. uh, yeah. in a future episode because there's a lot to talk about it, there. It's kind of, well, it's complicated. It can get yeah. complicated. Yeah. yeah. Um, and one more uh, from our, our question, our, our responses, rather. Uh, Willow said, I love long books. If I see one that's over 600 pages, I might spontaneously orgasm from the page count alone. <laughs> it's like, okay. Good for you, Willow. Oh, really? <laughs> um, you can see all of our responses uh, that we got on the show notes for this episode, and that includes um, some interesting discussion on price uh, yeah. in a couple spots. So yeah. we recommend you hop over to the episode, uh, the show notes, to check that out. We mentioned, too, that um, JM talks about returned books. Um, in this week's uh, part two of her interview. Mm-hmm. And she also talks a little bit about pricing and how she sets price um, as a publisher of work also and, and some of the other challenges that uh, JMS Books has found itself in over the last year when we've seen some other publishers close up shop. 
Uh, she was very candid about some business stuff, which was awesome. And we also talked with her a little bit about her life as an author as well. Yeah. So let's get to that second part of the interview. Wait, wait. Before before we get to it, I want yeah. to to um, <laughs> I I want to present it with the caveat that um, I I don't feel my uh, skills as an interviewer are particularly good at this point. It's something that I am trying to work on in 2016. So when you hear me asking a question and I have this sort of like very halting, boring, pause-filled question, <laughs> like William Shatner, um, it's because I'm trying to think of the correct word or phrase and, and sound intelligent, but I'm failing miserably. So I'm trying. Please, not listeners, that bad. listeners, please know I'm trying. I'm really trying to get better. <laughs> He's really not that bad. Here's the interview. I was wondering if we could talk a little bit about the business side of sure. uh, JMS Press. Um, now, 2015... Um, seemed to be a kind of a rough year for um, small presses and authors who uh, have uh, independently published, uh, especially the latter half of, of 2015. Sales yeah. seem to be pretty rough for a whole lot of people. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So I was wondering um, how you as a small press <clears throat> sort of weathered the storm of, of 2015 and um, how you are uh, uh, pivoting and uh, trying to uh, improve some uh, of the problems that you may have encountered last year. Well, coming, coming 2016. I will tell you, I'll be upfront. I mean, I've always been upfront when people ask me about when I was self-publishing, I was always upfront about sales and everything. And I will tell you that the main reason why at first I thought that it was the uh, multi-author series that we had done in June, July and August that had hurt our sales um, because I saw the plummeting. It started around September. And then I started hearing rumblings from other presses and independent authors about their sales. So I realized it wasn't just me. And um, I did a little bit more research and the bulk of the problem stemmed from a sudden drop in sales through Amazon, which was always our largest distributor. And doing more research, because I keep extensive records going all the way back to like 2000. So I keep extensive records of sales um, on every title I've ever published. And um, I, I, the, the problem stems from Amazon's change. I'll just tell it like it is. Amazon's change in the way their Kindle Unlimited program is run. Mm -hmm. um, they changed from the books. Originally, Kindle Unlimited is a program, for anyone who doesn't know, um, where readers can pay $10 a month and read as many books as they want. And authors you, who opt into the program must have ex must give Amazon the exclusive right to publish their books through only Amazon. They can't publish them anywhere else. And those books, the, the authors 
have to sell only through Kindle. And Kindle Unlimited readers can borrow the books as many as they want for free. Authors were paid per book for which, however many were read. Then in July, they changed it to pages read. So if your book was borrowed in the program and your book was 300 pages and it was only read up to page 20, you were only paid for 20 pages read. Prior to this, authors were publishing basically chapters as a book and they were getting paid for, you know, 20 chapters as 20 books. And now it didn't behoove them to do that. After July's royalties were paid in September, because Amazon pays two months in arrears, um, everyone realized that the price per page read was less than half a cent. So this was the large shakeup. Um, it also does not help things that Amazon is the only distributor that, as a rule, allows a reader to return an ebook within seven days of purchase which means that anybody in the entire world can read your ebook within seven days of purchase and then return it for a full refund. Don't even get me started on that. So you see in the September royalties, you started seeing a lot of returns because people were taking advantage of that. They were borrowing ebooks as if your book was part of the Kindle Unlimited program, reading it and returning it for a full refund. From what I hear on the, the word on the street is that Amazon is cracking down on people who do have too many returns. I don't know how true that is, but they are canceling accounts for it. Don't take me at my word. That's just what I've heard. However, this practice has hurt a lot of people. Um, some publishers, such as Amber Quill, are closing because they can't combat with such practices. Um, and I am a huge fan of Amber Quill. They were one of my first publishers. I love them more than any other publisher I ever worked with. And it hurt me a lot when I heard that they were closing. Um, so that's a huge loss for our community because, I mean, I thought that they were a great, a great publisher. Um, and sales are down all over. Our Smashwords quarterly sales for the last quarter of the year are down almost a thousand dollars. Sales all over Amazon were down for the last um, six months of last year and are only now starting to rebound. Mm -hmm. And overall sales were down. And I don't know if that meant readers were just not reading as much or or what, but it seemed as if one distributor who owns unfortunately the lion's share of of ebooks was screwing us all over royally. So that I think was where the state of things was stood at the end of 2015. I in order to combat that, I think that there has to be a shift in the way we do business. Obviously, we can all rail and and cry and complain, but you can't really stand up to Big Brother when Big Brother owns so much of the percentage of, you know, the real estate. So you either have to play ball with the big guys or you have to go home. And if you go home, then unfortunately they win. So in November, by the end of November, I realized I had to do something in order to continue to make 
the business profitable. And not just JMS books, but in order to continue to make, you know, money to pay my rent. Because uh, there's also, you know, JMS books as my publishing company, but also J.M. Snyder, author. Because if you remember, I quit my day job in 2011, and this is what I do full time. So one of the things I did in December was I finally realized that you have to start meeting Amazon halfway. You can't just ignore the fact that Kindle Unlimited is obviously a large player in this in this deal. So a lot of my books that I published in 2010 when I started the company were previously published either through um, Amber Quill because I had left them when I started JMS Books or Aspen Mountain or other presses that I then left when I started my own company. So what I did was I, I pulled a lot of those completely from every every venue except Amazon and I made them Kindle Unlimited titles just to see how that would work. And apparently the page reads do add up. I earned an extra $800 that month through that. So I will admit Kindle Unlimited does have its benefits. At least it paid my rent. Or will whenever I get the money. Because <laughs> they do pay two months in arrears. So February's yes. rent is paid. Yeah. Um, and then some of the books that we have that are older that are coming out of contract because I'm not they're not making any money. I've contacted our authors and I'm like, look, this is the deal. Your books are have been with us for several years. You're not making any money off of them. We're not making any money off of them. Do you want to try this as a, a viable option? Do you want to go Kindle Select? And I, I laid out the program. And we've had a few authors who've done that. And so um, two titles in particular we've gone Kindle Select with. Um, and so we'll, we'll put them up for free because you get five days with Kindle Select free to n tell people these are out there. And mm -hmm. one of them has been read. And now, obviously, this only really works with longer stories. You get the benefit of them. Um, and I've only really done this with the older stories because I, I get the feeling everybody's already read them. <laughs> but I don't know how true that is. But they've been out there long enough. And then... Um, well, don't you think with older stories, there's sort of a... Well, there's sort of a life cycle. I mean, you know, once you release a book and, you know, a certain number of, you know, fans and readers, they read it and then the sales fall off. But don't you think sometimes after a couple of years, you can maybe reintroduce that same book to a you new can. group of readers? You can. And some stories you do um, that that works very well with. But I'm talking mm -hmm. like really short stories I have and oh, anthologies okay. yeah. that I never released as ebook format. Yeah. So um, so I would what I did was I took all my short stories that were very older short stories like 2010 and beyond um, short stories. And they were already in anthologies that were print only. So what I did was took them, put them into Kindle Unlimited as short stories, and then put them into box sets that were Kindle Unlimited short story anthologies, box sets. Then I made some box sets from, now these are not on Kindle Unlimited, but they're just box sets of stories that are um, 
published through JMS Books, like Hattrick series. And because Amazon readers like box sets. And it's already sold six copies. So um, they they tend to like to buy in bulk, I guess. They like to buy everything all at once. Um, for instance, with the Kindle Unlimited, I took all of my, I have a superhero series called Vic and Matt. And it's been dwindling for a while, mostly because I haven't been writing any stories in it. But I've always thought that it was a good series. And one day I'd get back to it, but you know how that is. And um, I took all those stories and made them Kindle Select stories just because I haven't written any in a while. And um, then I could, once they're Kindle Select, I can put them into different box sets if I want and try to boost sales. I'm not seeing a lot of sales, but I'm seeing a lot of reads. Granted, that's not huge in the grand scheme of things, but it's something. I right, think like that, I said, the, the, page, the pages add up eventually. They do add up. They add up. And then, um, but I've also, another thing I've done, and this is across the board, is I've lowered the prices. Um, our prices originally were based off of what I thought at the time, what in 2010 were an aggregate of at that time what other publishers were charging. And I had not revisited that since 2010. I did um, revisit it in December and noticed that a lot of publishers were, one, publishing more um, longer stories than shorter. So their base prices were, say, $1.99, $2.99 for stories that started at 15,000 words. And they were not charging more than $5.99 or $6.99 for a novel length book of, say, 70K, 80K. So I revisited our prices and lowered them all by a dollar. I noticed this helped boost sales of some of our older titles once I lowered them. There's a lot of titles to lower across all of our distributors, but and I'm still doing it. But um, so it's taking time. But I've noticed that that has helped sales as well. So I'm I'm hopeful. I mean, I did notice that January we did see a boost. Um, another thing that I'm doing is I'm exploring. And I don't want anyone to get too excited about this because I'm still. And when I say exploring, I mean I'm baby baby steps. I'm exploring audiobooks. Um, and I'm hoping that that might be a viable venue. Mm -hmm. I've released one, but I don't. Uh, their their sales dashboard is really confusing. <laughs> you don't see any sales on it. So I mean, you see sales, you don't see any figures yet. So. But I've released one. And then the first the first feedback I get is, why didn't you release a longer one? Because this was the one I could get narrated. I mean, anyway. <laughs> so, anyway. What kind of advice would you give to authors to help them, whether they're self-published or working with publishers, to help navigate this new Amazon paradigm? Well, I would ask if you well if you're self-published, I would say to to check out at the Amazon Kindle Select program because you opt into it, but you only opt into it in three month 
segment. So if you opt into it and you do opt into the Kindle Unlimited program, you can opt into it for as low as three months. So after three months, you can choose to publish your book widely if you're self-published. So I would say, you know, give it three months, see what happens, see if that is a profitable thing for you. Put your book in there for three months, promote it for three months, give it away free for those five days, see how the page reads go, and at the end of, of three months, unselect or unopt out or whatever, and or opt out, not unopt out, opt out and publish it widely, publish it on Smashwords, publish it here and there and everywhere else. But give it the three months and see if it doesn't help boost your sales a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, with publishers, I'm I'm not sure if any other publisher is doing the Kindle Select Unlimited. Um, I know we don't do it for our authors on like normally. I might consider doing it later on. Um, we do have the for the love of the of an Omega um, submissions call. We're going to try it, the anthology on the Kindle Select, and then we're going to release the stories individually after the three month period to see if that's a viable option. Now, granted, we haven't gotten any submissions yet, so I don't know if this is even going to come through. But if it does, we're going to see if that's a viable thing. Because we can play around with it. I mean, three months is not, in the grand scheme of things, a long time. Um, I would say publishing with a smaller publisher who is more willing to work with you on that to see if, hey, let, can we do it only through Amazon instead of releasing it through all of the other publishing outlets? Can we try that? See if they'll work with you on that. If you do it that way, see if they'll give you a larger cut of the of royalties. I mean, like 50-50 at least, because you don't want to work with a publisher who is going to put your book on Kindle Unlimited and then take, you know, give you only 35%. <laughs> That's not really a fair deal. But, I mean, for that price, you can put it up there yourself, pay someone to do the cover art, and, and pay an editor. That's just my two cents. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But, um, I mean, it, unfortunately, Amazon makes it easy to self-publish. When you work with an author or with a publisher, the publisher should do the editing for you. They should provide you with cover art. They should provide you with the book layout and everything. They should give you something for their cut of the deal. And if you're not getting everything that you want, then you should also, you know, you can go it yourself but there are options to not, I mean, there are reasons why people choose to publish and there are reasons why people choose to self-publish. Mm -hmm. I understand both, having done both. Um, it is a, a nightmare sometimes to publish. I, I understand that. I mean, to self-publish. So make sure that the publisher you work with is someone you like and you like working with them. Yeah, I think that's definitely key. Yeah. But you, you've got to like who you're having your business relationship with. I mean, and that's true in any any aspect. It's like you don't go to a doctor you don't like. Right. I, I don't know that people necessarily think of that. It's, I think sometimes they're like, oh, well, this publisher is going to take my book. Great. Here, have it. Exactly. Instead of thinking about the long-term 
potential long-term aspect of that. Because once you sign a contract, you're there for two, three, four years, depending on the publisher. Well, exactly. I mean, our contracts are easily dissolved, but there are some that are not, from what I hear. I mean, always read your contract. I'd, I'm surprised at the number of people, the, the number of questions I get that make me aware of the fact that nobody's read their contract. <laughs> Why yeah. do you sign something you haven't read? But anyway, I, I mean, mean, I read everything. Know. Even though you and I have done several books together, I still read every contract that comes through just to see if anything shifted. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, I will admit that there are probably misspellings sometimes because I cut and paste. But <laughs> I don't read them for editing purposes. <laughs> okay, <good. laughs> so moving over to J.M. Snyder, author, for a little bit. Um, what's new for you out as an author? You mentioned a Love Wins story. Is What else has come out? Um, well, actually, there are two Love Wind stories, because I do write a lesbian story for that as well. Um, but, and that one, the other one, I don't have a title for yet. I'm still fighting with the title. Titles are worse than blurbs for me, I will admit. I'm stuck on the title for the, because it's based on, like I said, the It's All Relative that I had written, and I'm stuck on the relative part, and I can't come up with a title, so... Mm -hmm. That's why it's horrible. Hopefully by the time. You're not on the site yet. <laughs> yes. Hopefully by the time this, this podcast comes out, I will have come up with a title because I have, I'm stuck on the title. Um, oh, I'm horrible with titles. That's why I have books that are called Vince. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you know, this is horrible. I'm just going to name it by the name of the character. Vince. Um, yeah, I'm the worst person with titles. Titles and blurbs. Um, but other than that, well, I have a story that I did. I It's coming out in April, widely, but I've just finished it. And I put it on Kindle Unlimited for ahead of time. Um, it's called Not According to Plan. And it has actually gotten a lot of page reads, but not very many downloads. I thought I would try that out to see how that would work. Um, so that's an interesting thing. I thought it would get more downloads, but... I figured three months is not that long in the grand scheme of things. But I found that I have a, I have a stringent um, writing schedule because I found that if I don't write something and publish it every month, then sales drop. <laughs> I think that a lot of authors aren't realize, don't realize that. They think that if they write the book, then that's it. Their, their job is done. But you have to have something out there regularly, whether it's a, a – and I'm not talking about a new release, but whether it's a blog or a podcast or something to keep readers interested in you and keep your name out there. You have to keep yourself fresh. And um, a lot of writers will write a book and sit back like, hey, if you write it, they will come. But that's not always the truth. I mean, if you're Stephen King, yes, maybe. But – unfortunately for the rest of us peons, that's not true. <laughs> so um, I think that if you had, uh, you know, JK Rowling as your marketing PR person, then maybe yes. But if I don't write something every day, cause I can't unfortunately blog regularly. I have a blog. I couldn't tell you when I last updated it. Um, it's really a sad blog. Yeah, uh, if I remember to put down when I have a new release, <laughs> that's that's a good day. And then if, if sometimes I go, hey, I'm going to have a blog post to talk about how bad a blogger I am. And that's 
usually the last <laughs> one for a couple months. Yeah, I'm not a good blogger. Um, but unfortunately, my my writing schedule is sort of a when I'm done with a story, it's oh well, what am I going to write next? Mm-hmm. And then I sit down and think of, I have a list of ideas by my bed, but unfortunately it's been there for a while because usually whatever happens to come up next is what happens to be in my head and not what is written on the piece of paper but i don't i don't really plan things out that's back to the not planning i'm I'm definitely a pantser when it comes to writing when when it comes to writing how do you split your time between um your uh, professional, your your author career, and the uh, JMS publishing career? Well, Is it a 50-50 or? Um, not really. I, I publish in the morning. Like everything that I do for JMS books is done in the morning. So if you email me, well, if you email me, I will probably respond right away because I am addicted to email. It's very sad. But um if you want something like an, uh, an attachment done or everything I do in the morning is publishing related. So like all the books are uploaded for the distributors, all the promotion is done, all of the book files are done, all of the cover art is done in the morning. So between like 8 a.m. and noon, I'm on the computer doing JMS stuff. And then <clears throat> in the evening is when I write. I unfortunately have not set a time to write. I try to do it, but I don't. It never works out. There's always something that comes up. But I usually try to write at least a thousand words a day. At least. Sometimes I get into a, a spot where I write more. Sometimes I don't write as much. But I usually write in the evenings. So it's split that way. I mean, I'd like to say it's 50 50, but it's not really. I tried to get a book out a month that's impressive. I say a book, but it's sometimes by book I mean ebook, so sometimes it's just a story. Sure, but it's something. True. And sometimes it's not. I mean, sometimes it's just a, a short story, and sometimes I miss a month. So I know. But still, I mean, that's, that's great, as you said, for visibility and, and just productivity overall. You have to keep yourself current even if it's not a like i said if it's not a, a book if it's a like a podcast is so a new podcast is out every day of month or a week how often do you put out we're every week see that's impressive too i mean that's crazy <laughs> how do you do it <laughs> that's what sundays are for yeah. primarily <laughs> that's crazy but we, i we don't think i could one, do that um, author podcast that's daily See, that's uh, how could you do that? I, obviously, not a, an author doing well, he, it. How he, would he you write? Early on, that a new, a true new episode every day was crazy. So what they'll do is they'll take something that they may have discussed for an hour and slice it into three twenty-minute episodes. So they there you go. Yeah, but there's Shoot. still editing time and production time in that. So you know, yeah, we're not as crazy as he is. Oh my, that is um, crazy. So you talked a little bit through this through this interview about preferred size and length for books, which kind of is a nice connection to our question of the week this week. As a reader, putting aside your author hat, your publisher hat, what's your preferred size or, or length for books? Um, well, 
This is kind of weird. I mean, I tend to like longer stories, but it's kind of hard for me to start one because they tend to intimidate me, <laughs> if that makes any sense. Like if I see a, a book that I've not read before and it's very thick, I'm like, oh, God, what if I don't like that? You know, what if it's you, you're just you never know. Yeah. And so I tend to put them off. And then sometimes you're pleasantly surprised when they're really, really, really good. But I tend to like longer stories just because they really let you get into them and they really develop the characters and the setting and you can lose yourself into them. And, you know, three days later, your whole life has been uprooted and you have to come back to the real world and you're like, hmm, this sucks. <laughs> but if a book is really good, I can lose myself in it. I'd like to write short stories, but I tend to really love to read novels. Like long, long, long novels, but right. they they do intimidate me sometimes. Mm -hmm. Unless it's by an author that I really love, then you know I delve right in. But I mean, there were two that I read in 2014 that both of them I put off for the longest time. I checked them both out from the library, and one of them I kept checking out, like renewing, because I just never bothered to get to start it. And then finally, I was like, well, I can't check it out anymore, and. I might as well read it. So I, I finally started it and then could not put it down. And then almost like had to pay a fine for it because I returned it at the 11th hour. But <laughs> fortunately, it was, you know, midnight on New Year's Eve and they were closed. So they were going to be closed the next day. But um, I was really glad that I did start the book because it, like I said, once I started it, I could not finish it. I mean, I could not finish it fast enough. It was just awesome. But I put it off because it was so thick, it was intimidating. Mm -hmm. But I, I like novels like that. Okay. I think that's one of the nice things about the Kindle, because you don't really necessarily, unless you really paid attention when you bought it, you may not realize how big that book is. I know. But the problem, though, is that I am one of those people, and I will admit it up front, that I get very anxious when I'm reading, and I have to skip ahead. So, like, for instance, last year I read The Martian, and I read it on the Kindle. And I don't know if you've read The Martian or seen the movie, but it's a sci-fi. It's a sci-fi story, and not to ruin it for anybody, but the end is very intense. And if I had the novel, like in paperback or, or hardcover, I would have literally skipped to the end to make sure everything came out all right. <laughs> but as it was, I was reading it on the Kindle, and it was literally two in the morning because I could not read it fast enough to find out what happened. Because there's no way I could have skipped to the end and then find, you know, I guess I could have put a bookmark, but I didn't think of it. I was just reading it and thinking, if nothing, if this does not end the way it's supposed to end, because it says there's like 10% left, I will be so upset. <laughs> but I was just, I just could not read it fast. My eyes were burning because it was literally two in the morning. And I was just like, oh God, next time getting the paperback, definitely. Yeah. It was crazy. No, that that Kindle percentage, it can be a harsh mistress. Yeah, <laughs> and and sometimes it's completely wrong because I've read, you know, where it says ten percent, right. and the last five percent is really information about the yeah. author. And I was like, really? Yeah. Here, I thought I had a lot more left, and mm -hmm. there's not. Yeah, but you read the back matter or an excerpt from an next book, or it's like no. Well, I know it. It's not even. I mean, this is stuff Amazon's put in. Like, yeah. oh, you might also enjoy. Really, Amazon. <laughs> You're lying to me. Um, and, and I'm yeah, that's why I don't read mysteries. Because I have to know who did it, and I'll flip it. 
<laughs> I'm horrible. I'm like, yeah, I, I'm just, I, I'm just horrible. I have to know who did it. And even in the beginning and I'll flip to the end of the book and it, cause otherwise it'll keep me awake and I can't read that fast. So <laughs> I don't like mysteries. But, and if it's a mystery book and I'm reading it and I can guess it, then it's not well written. So, cause I'm not, a, you know, don't read a lot of mysteries. But yeah. Uh, now you could turn the table on our listeners. Give them a question of the week for this coming week. See, now this is hard. Um, actually, I had one. I should have written it down. <laughs> um, oh, I know. I know what it is. Because I actually read, uh, I get a lot of questions from readers who ask me what, book like what my favorite books are and I think that there are a lot of a lot of them are disappointed when they find out that they're not genres that they would be interested in for instance my favorite my favorite novelist ever my favorite writer is Stephen King and a lot of people who read my stories are not interested in that kind of story so or in the kind of stories he writes so my question would be for your next guest would be what kind of Book, what book or what kind of books do you like to read that you think your your readers would not be interested in? Sort of like out, out what do you read outside of genre? Yeah, like outside of what what you think other people would like. And it might be, you know, maybe your favorite book is Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, or maybe you're embarrassed to admit that, but <laughs> I will admit okay. that I never read that. And I probably never will. I did read a sample once. That That was the end of that. That was the same for me. I read the sample and I went, okay, I'm done. Oh my <laughs> God. Although I will tell you, have you seen the preview for this movie coming out called 50 shades of black? You got to look. I read up. about that the other day. I oh my God. I saw it on TV. I about fell out. I was like, you know, I may be the only white girl in that theater, but I'm going to see them. <laughs> that looks hilarious, but it looks really bad okay. in a good way. In the way, like the whole Medea movies are. <laughs> I was the only white girl in that theater, but I, I was on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> I was laughing so hard. It was all so right. So we will link up to all things JMS books and JM Snyder in our show notes. Uh, I need to update that website. The JMS books one is updated. Mine, not so much. <laughs> and uh, we thank you so much for spending the time with us. Well, thank you for inviting me. I'm sorry if I hemmed and hawed throughout it. I think it was all really good, so we're, we're, we're very pleased. And uh, happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. Happy Valentine's Day to you, too. We want to thank JM for taking the time to talk to us. Uh, we explored a lot of different stuff over the course of that interview. I think yeah. it was really valuable. Yeah, I think so. I hope I hope the, the listeners who are authors got some stuff out of that, and the, the listeners who are readers, I think, hopefully got some good stuff out of it, too. It was a good look at, at two sides of the coin. Yeah. Okay, so JM asked, essentially, what is your favorite read outside of the MM genre? So what do you like to read other than uh, gay romance? You want to you go first? What do, you, what do you think? I'm really into YA. Yes, you are. Uh, yeah. And I'll read various YA, um, both you know, featuring gay characters, straight characters, uh, most of it's in the contemporary realm. I'm not really into. Well, I'll, I'll break that down. I don't mind dystopian. There's mm -hmm. a lot of dystopian, like Hunger Games, 
and Alex London's proxy series that I really like. I don't tend to do paranormal, I guess. I, I, I had my moment with the, with the Twilight books and really didn't care for those all that much in the long run. Uh, so I don't really do paranormal, but contemporary and dystopian, I'm kind of into it. And then specific authors, too, like, um, oh, I'll pretty much read anything that, uh, what's his name, Michael Chabon puts out. I'm, like, blanking and looking at my bookshelf behind us mm-hmm. uh, that Michael Chabon puts out. I'll give, a, I'll give a go at also. Yeah, yeah. What about you? Um, outside of gay romance, uh, other than the nonfiction stuff that I've spoken about before, I read... Uh, I enjoy reading westerns. Uh, oddly enough, I don't really have an explanation for that because uh, I'm certainly not the target audience. I do prefer westerns that are in a series. Um, so the westerns I tend to enjoy the most are uh, based on series characters, and they're very short and action oriented. Oriented. I don't. Uh, I've never really read or pre- enjoyed, you know, classic westerns like Louis L'Amour or, you know, Max Brand or, you know, mm-hmm. any of that kind of stuff. So, uh, I like... Uh, if I put you on the spot, could you give the name of the western series that are all those books that are lined up on the shelf in the other room? Yes. I really... Unfortunately, they're no longer published, which is uh, actually kind of sad for the western genre. Um, aside, uh, just, you know... Uh, um, Aside from uh, gay romance, which does really well on digital, uh, westerns, surprisingly enough, uh, have really taken off in the digital format. Uh, people who who love that genre have discovered um, uh, ebooks, primarily because um, they're no longer published anymore. Mm-hmm. They're just not coming out uh, in paperbacks anymore. So, That's interesting. Uh, so I really enjoyed the gunsmith series by uh um I'm gonna sorry forget. see I'm i did that to you. his name uh the gunsmith series by jr randisi um who i believe writes under the pen name jr roberts uh his series uh was canceled late last year uh at number 399 uh, and he continued on with a uh 400 uh, book 400 and beyond are going to be uh, ex- ebook exclusives. Fun. Cool. So, yeah. All right. So we'd love to hear from you guys uh, what what your favorite reads are outside the MM genre. Uh, you can leave us the answers to that question on the show note page for this episode at BigGayFictionPodcast.com. And, of course, you can also suggest a question while you're there, too, as well. So I think that does it for this week. Yeah. Another, another fun and... I'm tooting our own horn. Uh, action packed. Well, no, it actually wasn't action packed. Yeah, it was. Information packed. Um, so I, prom- I don't know if it was packed with that either. But yeah, it was. <laughs> so I promised uh, the giveaway for Make the Right Choice. Oh, yeah, don't forget yeah, that. Yeah, don't forget that. Uh, so if you go to the show notes page, uh, you will find a raffle copter there mm-hmm. with a couple of different ways that you can get in. Um, you can get a bonus entry by actually answering this week's question, or you can just get an entry by... Uh, pushing the button to get the entry. Uh, we'll leave it open all this week, and we'll have the uh, winner announced in next week's episode. Mm. So good luck. Um, May the odds ever be in your favor. Yes, thank you. Hunger Games. We'll we'll have our lottery next week for that. Indeed. <laughs> uh, 
uh, please take a moment uh, to review our podcast on the channel of your preference, whether it's iTunes or YouTube or wherever else you happen to listen to us. And we would love that. It'll help our visibility a lot. And in the meantime, happy Valentine's Day, and we will see you next week. See you next time, guys. Thank you for listening to Jeff and Will's Big Gay Fiction Podcast. For detailed show notes, go to BigGayFictionPodcast.com.